section eleven of city of endless night by milo hastings this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by kate fallis chapter nine in which i salute the statue of god and a psychic expert explores my brain and finds nothing part one the chemical staff called for me at my laboratory to conduct me to the presence of the emperor at the elevator we were met by an electric vehicle manned fore and aft by pompous guards through the wide high streets we rolled noiselessly past the decorated facades of the spacious apartments that housed the seventeen thousand members of the house of hohenzollern at times the ample streets broadened into still more roomy avenues where potted trees alternated with the frescoed columns and beyond which were luxurious gardens and vast statuary halls on the level of free women the life was one of crowded revelry of the bauble and delights of carnival but on the royal level there was an atmosphere of luxurious leisure with vast spaces given over to the privacy of aristocratic idleness an occasional vehicle rolled swiftly past us on the glassy smoothness of the pavement more rarely lonely couples strolled among the potted trees or sat in dreamy indolence beside the fountains there was no crowding no mass of humanity no narrow halls no congested apartments all structure here was on a scale of magnificent size and distances while by comparison the men and women appeared dwarfed but withal distinctive in their costumes and regal in their leisurely idleness after some kilometres of travel we came to his majesty's palace which stood detached from all other enclosed structures and was surrounded on all sides by ever necessary columns that seemed like a forest of tree trunks spaced and distanced in geometrical design as we approached the massive doorway of the palace our party paused and stood stiffly erect before us were two colossal statues of glistening white crystal my fellow scientists faced one of the figures which i recognized as that of william the second and i a little tardily saluted with them and now we turned sharply on our heels and saluted the second figure of these twin german heroes for german it was unmistakably in every feature save for the one oddity that the teutonic face wore a flowing beard not unlike that of michelangelo's moses as we moved forward my eye swept in the lettering of the pedestal unser alte deutsche gold and i was aware that i had acknowledged my allegiance to the supreme warlord i had saluted the statue of god entering the palace we were conducted through a long hallway hung with floral tapestries we passed through several great metal doors guarded by stalwart leaden-faced men and came at last into the imperial audience room where his majesty idol the first satellited by his ministers sat stiff and upright at the head of the council table though he had seemed a small man when i had seen him in the dazzling beam of the reflected sunlight i now perceived that he was of more than average stature he wore no crown and no helmet but only a crop of stiff iron-grey hair 
brushed boldly upright his face was stern his nose beak-like and his small eyes grey and piercing over the high back of his chair was thrown his cape and he was clad in a jacket of white cellulose velvet buttoned to the throat with large platinum buttons formally presented by one of the secretaries we made our stiff bows and were seated at the table facing his majesty across the unlittered surface of black glass the emperor nodded to the chief of the chemical staff who arose and read the report of my solution of the protium problem he ended by advising that the process should immediately replace the one then in use in the extraction of the ore in the industrial works and that i was recommended for promotion to the place to be vacated by the retiring member of the chemical staff and should be given full charge of the protium industry emperor idol listened with solemn nods of approval when the reading was finished he arose and proclaimed the retirement with honour and because of his advanced age of herr von uhl the old chemist now stepped forward and the emperor removed from von uhl's breast the insignia of active staff service and replaced it with the insignia of honourable retirement in my turn i also stood before his majesty who when he had pinned upon my breast the staff insignia said i hereby commission you as member of the chemical staff and director of the protium works against the fortune to be accredited to you and your descendants you are authorized to draw from the imperial bank a million marks a year that you shall more graciously befit this fortune i confer upon you the title of von and the social privilege of the royal level when the formal ceremonies were ended i again arose and addressed the emperor your majesty i said as i looked unflinchingly at his iron visage i beg leave to make a personal petition state it commanded the emperor i wish to ask that you restore to the royal level a girl who is now in the level of the free women and known there as marguerite seventy eight k four but who was born on the royal level as a daughter of princess fedora of the house of hohenzollern a hush of consternation fell upon those about the table your petition said the emperor cannot be granted then i said speaking with studied emphasis i cannot proceed with the work of extracting proteum an angry cloud gathered on the face of eitel i herr von armstadt he said the title and awards which have just been conferred upon you are irrevocable but if you decline to perform the duties of your office those duties can be performed by others but others cannot perform them i replied the demonstration i conducted was genuine but the formulas i have given were not genuine the true formulas for my method of extracting proteum are locked within my brain and i will reveal them only when the petition i ask has been granted 
at these words the emperor pounded on the table with a heavy fist what does this mean he demanded of the chemical staff it is a lie shouted the chief of the staff we have the formulas and they are correct for we saw the demonstration conducted with the ingredients stated in the formulas which armstadt gave us very well i cried go try your formulas go repeat the demonstration if you can the emperor glaring his rage punched savagely at a signal button on the arm of his chair two palace guards answered the summons arrest this man shouted his majesty and keep him in close confinement permit him to see no one without further ado i was led off by the guards while the emperor shouted imprecations at the chemical staff part two the place to which i was conducted was a suite of rooms in a remote corner of the royal palace there was a large bedroom and bath and a luxurious study or lounging room here i found a case of books which proved to be novels bearing the imprint of the royal level despite the comfortable surroundings it was evident that i was securely imprisoned for the door was of metal the ventilating gratings were long narrow slits and the walls were of heavy concrete and there being no windows no bars were needed any living apartment in the city would have served equally well the jailer's purpose for it were only necessary to turn a key from without to make of it a cell in this gigantic prison of berlin the regular appearance of my meals by mechanical carrier was the only way i had to reckon the passing of time for it had chanced that i had forgotten my watch when dressing for the audience with his majesty i wrestled with unmeasured time by perusing the novels which gave me fragmentary pictures of the social life on the royal level as i turned over the situation in my mind i reassured myself that the secrecy of my formulas was impregnable the discovery of the process had been rendered possible by knowledge i had brought with me from the outer world the reagents that i had used were synthetic substances the very existence of which was unknown to the germans i had previously prepared these compounds and had used and completely destroyed them in making the demonstration while i had taken pains to remove all traces of their preparation hence i had little to fear of the chemical staff duplicating my work though doubtless they were making desperate efforts to do so and my imprisonment was very evidently for the purpose of permitting them to make that effort on that score i felt that i had played my cards well but there were other thoughts that troubled me chief of which was a fear that some investigation might be set on foot in regard to marguerite and that her guardianship of the library of forbidden books might be discovered with this worry to torment me the hours dragged slowly enough i had been some five days in this solitary confinement when the door opened and a man entered he wore the uniform of a physician and introduced himself as dr boom explaining that he had been sent by his majesty to look after my health 
the idea rather amused me at least i thought the emperor had decided that the secrets of my brain were well worth preservation and i reasoned that this was evidence that the chemical staff had made an effort to duplicate my work and had reported their failure to do so the doctor made what seemed to me a rather perfunctory physical examination which included a very minute inspection of my eyes then he put me through a series of psychological test queries when he had finished he sighed deeply and said i am sorry to find that you are suffering from a disturbed balance of the altruistic and the egotistical cortical impulses it is doubtless due to the intensive demands made upon the creative potential before you were completely recovered from the subnormal psychosis due to the gas attack in the potash mines this diagnosis impressed me as a palpable fraud but i became genuinely alarmed at the mention of the affair at the potash mines i was somewhat reassured at the thought that this reference was probably a part of the record of karl armstadt which was doubtless on file at the medical headquarters and had been looked up by dr berm who was in need of making out a plausible case for some purpose perhaps that of confining me permanently on the grounds of insanity whatever might be the move on foot it was clearly essential for me to keep myself cool and well in hand the doctor after eyeing me calmly for a few moments said it will be necessary for me to go out for a time and secure apparatus for a more searching examination meanwhile be assured you will not be further neglected in fact i shall arrange for the time to share your apartment with you as loneliness will aggravate your derangement in a few hours the doctor returned he brought with him a complicated-looking apparatus and was followed by two attendants carrying a bed the doctor pushed the apparatus into the corner after seeing his bed installed in my sleeping chamber dismissed the attendants and sat down and began to entertain me with accounts of various cases of mental derangement that had come under his care so far as i could determine his object if he had any other than killing time it was to impress me with the importance of submitting graciously to his care tiring of these stories of the doctor's professional successes with meek and trusting patients i took the management of the conversation into my own hands since you are a psychic expert dr berm perhaps you can explain to me the mental processes that cause a man to prize a large bank credit when there is positively no legal way in which he can expend the credit the doctor looked at me quizzically how do you mean he asked that there is no legal way in which he can expend the credit well take my own case the emperor has bestowed upon me a credit of a million marks a year but i risked losing it by demanding that a young woman of the free level be restored to the royal level where she was born of this i am aware replied the psychic physician that is why his majesty became alarmed lest your mental equilibrium be disturbed it seems to indicate an atavistic reversion to a condition of romantic altruism but as your pedigree is normal i deem it merely a temporary loss of balance 
but why i asked do you consider it abnormal at all is there evidence of any great degree of unselfishness in a man desiring the bestowal of happiness upon a particular woman in preference to bank credit which he cannot expend what should i do with a million marks a year when i have been unable to expend the ten thousand a year i have had ah exclaimed the doctor the light of a brilliant discovery breaking over his countenance perhaps this in a measure explains your case you have evidently been so absorbed in your work that you have not sufficiently developed your appetite for personal enjoyment perhaps i have not but just how should i expend more funds food clothing living quarters are all provided for me there is nothing but a few tawdry amusements that one can buy nor is there any one to give the money to even if a man had children they cannot inherit his wealth just what is money for anyway the doctor nodded his head and smiled in satisfaction you ask interesting questions he said i shall try to answer them money or bank credit is merely a symbol of wealth in ancient times wealth was represented by the private ownership of physical property which was the basis of capitalistic or competitive society racial progress was then achieved by the mating of the men of superior brain with the most beautiful women women do not appreciate the mental power of man in its direct expression or even its social use they can only comprehend that power when it is translated into wealth after the destruction of private property women refused to accept as mates the men of intellectual power but preferred instead men of physical strength and personal beauty at first this was considered to be a proof of the superiority of the proletariat for with all men economically equal the beautiful women turned from the anemic intellectual and the sons of aristocracy to the strong arms of labour believing themselves to be the source of all wealth and by that right vested with sole political power and now finding themselves preferred by the beautiful women the labourer would soon have eliminated all other classes from human society had unbridled socialism with its free mating continued we should have become merely a horde of handsome savages such would have been the destiny of our race had not william the third foreseen the outcome and restored war the blessings of which had been all but lost to the world the progress of peace depended upon the competition of capitalism but in peace progress is incidental in war it is essential because war requires invention it saved the intellectual classes and because war requires authority it made possible the restoration of our royal house labor the tyrant of peace became again the slave of war and under the plea of patriotic necessity eugenics was established which again restored the beautiful women to the superior men and thus by imperial socialism the race was preserved from deterioration 
but surely i said eugenics has more than remedied this defect of socialism for the selection of men of superior mentality is much more rigid than it could have been under the capricious matings of capitalistic society why then this need of wealth eugenics replied Berm, breeds superior children but eugenic mating is a cold scientific thing which fails to fan the flame of man's ambition to do creative work that is why we have the level of free women and have not bred the virility out of the intellectual group that is also the reason we have retained the free level on a competitive commercial basis and have given the intellectual man the bank credit a symbol of wealth that he may use it as men have always used wealth for the purpose of increasing his importance in the eyes of women this function of wealth is psychically necessary to the creative impulse for the power of sexual conquest and the stimulus to creative thought are but different expressions of the same instinct wealth or its symbol is a medium of translating the one into the other for example take your discovery it is important to you and to the state your fellow scientists appreciate it his majesty appreciates it but women cannot appreciate it but give it a money value and women appreciate it immediately they know that the unlimited bank credit will give you the power to keep as many women on your list as you choose and this means that you can select freely those you wish so the most attractive women will compete for your preferment we bow before the emperor we salute the statue of god but we make out our checks to buy baubles for women and it is that which keeps the wheels of progress turning so i said this is your philosophy of wealth i see and yet i do not see the legal limit a man may contribute to a woman is but twenty-four hundred marks a year what then does he want with a million but there is no legal limit replied the doctor to the number of women a man may have on his list his relation to them may be the most casual but the pursuit is stimulating to the creative imagination but you forget herr von armstadt that with the compensation that was to be yours goes also the social privilege of the royal level evidently you have been so absorbed in your research that you had no time to think of the magnificent rewards for which you were working then perhaps you will explain them to me with pleasure said dr Berm your social privilege on the royal level includes the right to marry and that means that you should have children for whom inheritance is permitted how else did you suppose the ever-increasing numbers of the house of hohenzollern should have maintained their wealth the question has never occurred to me i answered but if it had i should have supposed that their expenses were provided by appropriations from the state treasury dr Berm chuckled then they should all be dependents on the state like cripples and imbeciles it would be a rather poor way to derive the pride of aristocracy 
that can only come from inherited wealth the principle is old very old the nobleman must never needs work to live then if he wishes to give service to the state he may give it without pay and thus feel his nobility you cannot aspire to full social equality with the royal house both because you lack divinity of blood and because you receive your wealth for that which you have yourself given to the state but because of your wealth you will find a wife of the royal house and she will bear you children who receiving the divine blood of the hohenzollerns from the mother and inherited wealth from the father will thus be twice ennobled to have such children is a rare privilege not even herr von uhl with his thousands of descendants can feel such a pride of paternity it is well herr von armstadt that you talk to me of these matters should you be restored to your full mental powers and be permitted to assume the rights of your new station it would be most unfortunate if you should seem unappreciative of these ennobling privileges then if i may i shall ask you some further questions it seems that the inherited incomes of the royal level are from time to time reinforced by marriage from without does that not dilute the royal blood that question replied dr Berm, more properly should be addressed to a eugenist but i shall try to give you the answer the blood of the house of hohenzollern is of a very high order for it is the blood of divinity in human veins yet since there is no eugenic control no selection the quality of that blood would deteriorate from inbreeding were there no fresh infusion then where better could such blood come than from the men of genius no man is given the full social privilege of the royal level except he who has made some great contribution to the state this at once marks him as a genius and gives his wealth a noble origin but how is it i asked that this addition of men from without does not disturb the balance of the sexes it does disturb it somewhat replied the doctor but not seriously for genius is rare there are only a few hundred men in each generation who are received into royal society of course that means some of the young men of the royal level cannot marry but some men decline marriage of their own free will if they are not possessed of much wealth they prefer to go unmarried rather than to accept an unattractive woman as a wife when they may have their choice of mistresses from the most beautiful virgins intended for the free level there is always an abundance of marriageable women on the royal level and with your wealth you will have your choice your credit in fact will be the largest that has been granted for over a decade all that is very splendid i answered i was not well informed on these matters but why should his majesty have been so incensed at my simple request for the restoration of the rights of the daughter of the princess fedora your request was unusual pardon if i may say impudent it seems to imply a lack of appreciation on your part of the honours freely conferred upon you but i dare say his majesty did not realise your ignorance of these things 
you are very young and you have risen to your station very quickly from an obscure position and you think i asked that if you made these facts clear to him he would relent and grant my request dr Boehm looked at me with a penetrating gaze it is not my function he said to intercede for you i have only been commissioned to examine carefully the state of your mentality i smiled complacently at the psychic expert now doctor i said you do not mean to tell me that you really think there is anything wrong with my mentality a look of craftiness flashed from berm's eyes i have given you my diagnosis he said but it may not be final i have already communicated my first report to his majesty and he has ordered me to remain with you some days if i should alter that opinion too quickly it would discredit me and gain you nothing you had best be patient and submit gracefully to further examination and treatment and do you know i asked what the chemical staff is doing about my formulas that is none of my affair declared berm emphatically there was a vigour in his declaration and a haste with which he began to talk of other matters that gave me a hint that the doctor knew more of the doings of the chemical staff than he cared to admit but i thought it wise not to press the point part three the second day of berm's stay with me he unmantled his apparatus and asked me to submit to a further examination i had not the least conception of the purpose of this apparatus and with some misgivings i lay down on a couch while the psychic expert placed above my eyes a glass plate on which when he had turned on the current there proceeded a slow rhythmic series of pale lights and shadows at the doctor's command i fixed my gaze upon the lights while he in a monotonous voice urged me to relax my mind and dismiss all active thought how long i stood for this infernal proceeding i do not know but i recall a realization that i had lost grip on my thoughts and seemed to be floating off into a misty nowhere of unconsciousness i struggled frantically to regain control of myself and for what seemed an eternity i fought with a horrible nightmare unable to move a muscle or even close my eyelids to shut out that sickening sequence of creeping shadows then i saw the doctor's hand reaching slowly toward my face it seemed to sway in its stealthy movement like the head of a serpent charming a bird but in my helpless horror i could not ward it off at last the snaky fingers touched my eyelids as if to close them and that touch light though it was served to snap the taut film of my helpless brain and i gave a blood-curdling yell and jumped up knocking over the devilish apparatus and nearly upsetting the doctor calm yourself said berm as he attempted to push me again toward the couch 
there's nothing wrong and you must surrender to the psychic equilibrator so that i can proceed with the examination examination be damned i shouted fiercely you were trying to hypnotize me with that infernal machine berm did not reply but calmly proceeded to pick up the apparatus and restore it to its place in the corner while i paced angrily about the room he then seated himself and addressed me as i stood against the wall glaring at him you are labouring under hallucinations he said i fear your case is even worse than i thought but calm yourself i shall attempt no further examination to-day i resumed a seat but refused to look at him he did not talk further of my supposed mental state but proceeded to entertain me with gossip of the royal level and later discussed the novels in the bookcase it was difficult to keep up an open war with so charming a conversationalist but i was thoroughly on my guard i could now readily see through the whole fraud of my imputed mental derangement i knew my mind was sound as a schoolboy's and that this pretence of examination and treatment was only a blind evidently the chemical staff had failed to work the formulas i had given them and this psychic manipulator had been sent in here to filch the true formulas from my brain with his devilish art i knew nothing of what progress the germans might have made with hypnotism but unless they had gone farther than had the outer world now that i was on my guard i believed myself to be safe but there was yet one danger i might be trapped in my sleep by an induced somnambulistic conversation happily i was fairly well posted on such things and believed that i could guard against that also but the fear of the thing made me so nervous that i did not sleep all of the following night the doctor evidently a keen observer must have detected that fact from the sound of my breathing for the lights were turned out and we slept in the pitchy blackness that only a windowless room can create you did not sleep well he remarked as we breakfasted but i made light of his solicitous concern and we passed another day in casual conversation as the sleeping period drew near again the doctor said i will leave you to-night for i fear my presence disturbs you because you misinterpret my purpose in observing you as the doctor departed i noted that the mechanism of the hinges and the lock of the door were so perfect that they gave forth no sound i was very drowsy and soon retired but before i went to sleep i practised snapping off and on the light from the switch at the side of my bed then i repeated over and over to myself i will awake at the first sound of a voice this thought ingrained in my subconscious mind proved my salvation i must have been sleeping some hours i was dreaming of marguerite i saw her standing in an open meadow flooded with sunlight and heard her voice as if from afar i walked towards her and as the words grew more distinct i knew the voice was not marguerite's then i awoke i did not stir but lay listening 
the voice was speaking monotonously and the words i heard were the words of the proteum formulas the false ones i had given the chemical staff but these formulas are not correct purred the voice of course they are not correct i gave them to the staff but they will never know the real ones yes the real ones what are the real ones have i forgotten no i shall never forget i can repeat them now then the voice began again on one of the fake formulas but when it reached the point where the true formula was different it paused evidently the chemical staff had found out where the difficulty lay and so the voice had paused hoping my sleeping mind would catch up the thread and supply the missing words but instead my arm shot quickly to the switch the solicitous dr berm flooded with a blaze of light glared blinkingly as i leaped from the bed oh i was asleep all right i said but i awoke the instant i heard you speak just as i had assured myself that i would do before i fell asleep now what else have you in your bag of tricks i only came began the doctor yes you only came i shouted and you knew nothing about the work of the chemical staff on my formulas now see here doctor you had your try and you have failed your diagnosis of my mental condition is just as much a fraud as the formulas on which the chemical staff have been wasting their time only it is not so clever i fooled them and you have not fooled me waste no more time but go back and report to his majesty that your little tricks have failed i shall do that said berm i feared you from the start your mind is really an extraordinary one but where he said did you learn how to guard yourself so well against my methods they are very secret my art is not known even to physicians it is known to me i said so run along and get your report ready the doctor shook my hand with an air of profound respect and took his leave this time i balanced a chair overhanging the edge of a table so that the opening of the door would push it off and i lay down and slept soundly part four i was left alone in my prison until late the next day then came a guard who conducted me before his majesty none of the chemical staff was present in fact there was no one with the emperor but a single secretary his majesty smiled cordially it was fitting herr armstadt for me to order your confinement for your demand was audacious not that what you asked was a matter of importance but you should have made the request in writing and privately and not before the chemical staff for that breach of etiquette i had to humiliate you that royal dignity might be preserved as for the fact that you kept the formula secret 
none need know that but the chemical staff and they will have nothing further to say since you have made fools of them his majesty laughed as for the request you made i have decided to grant it nor do i blame you for making it the princess marguerite is a very beautiful girl she is waiting now nearby i should have sent for her sooner but it was necessary to make an investigation regarding her birth the unfortunate princess fedora never confessed the father but i have arranged that as you shall see the emperor now pressed his signal button and a door opened and marguerite was ushered into the room i started in fear as i saw that she was accompanied by dr zimmern what calamity of discovery and punishment i wondered had my daring move brought to the secret rebel against the rule of the hohenzollern marguerite stepped swiftly toward me and gave me her hand the look in her eyes i interpreted as a warning that i was not to recognize zimmern so i appeared the stranger while the secretary introduced us dr zimmern said his majesty was physician to princess fedora at the time of the birth of the princess marguerite she confessed to him the father of her child it was the count rudolph who died unmarried some years ago there will be no questions raised our society will welcome his daughter for both the count rudolph and the princess fedora were very popular during this speech dr zimmern sat rigid and stared into space then the secretary produced a document and read a confession to be signed by zimmern testifying to these statements of marguerite's birth zimmern his features still unmoved signed the paper and handed it again to the secretary his majesty arose and held out his hand to marguerite i welcome you he said to the house of hohenzollern we shall do our best to atone for what you have suffered and to you herr von armstadt i extend my thanks for bringing us so beautiful a woman it is my hope that you will win her as a wife for she will grace well the fortune that your great genius brings to us but because you have loved her under unfortunate circumstances i must forbid your marriage for a period of two years during that time you will both be free to make acquaintances in royal society nothing less than this would be fair to either of you or to other women that may seek your fortune or to other men who may seek the beauty of your princess End of section eleven.